Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the 7 After podcast. Guess what time it is? It's 7 After Divi Chat o'clock right now. Can you believe it? We are here. We've got a packed house and we've got a viewer requested topic that has been getting a lot of love on the Facebook groups and the Facebook page. It seems like something that's of interest. We're going to be talking about development servers and staging sites. The question came from our friend Ellie Peterson. She she was wondering, where do you guys build your sites? When like if the client already has a website up, where do you build it? And then when you launch it, where do you how do you do that? And then do you keep it? Like, so there's a lot of things we can unpack with all of that. Um, we all probably have some overlaps in our uh, techniques and the things that we do, but who knows? We always end up learning something from each other. And if you guys have any suggestions or um, methods that you've found really useful, please feel free to contribute them in the live chat or in the comments. Now let's dive into this topic. Would you like to meet your panel? My name is Stephanie Hudson. I represent Focus WP, where we help busy freelancers and growing agencies to continue to scale their business and make more money doing what they love by providing outsourced white label development, copywriting, design, uh, video editing, and admin. I think I got them all. So anyway, you can find me at focuswp.co or in our Facebook group, Focus on Your Biz. Hey everybody, my name's Eric and I have In Transit Studios is our client facing brand. We also have another brand, Coastal City Creative, and that is a digital marketing white label provider for promotional product distributors. So very niche over there. And uh, I love this topic and I learned how to do this by binge listening to Divi Chat uh, a few years ago. Uh, and so excited that we're talking about this and really looking forward to it. Hey guys, Sarah Oates here from Endure Web Studios. I don't think I ever introduced what my business does, but we build websites for small businesses here in Australia. Um, sometimes we do some overseas stuff, but mostly we stick to Australia. And because camera people love camera people, I would say 90% of my clients are local and I actually meet them for coffee. So you can catch us at endure.com.au or Endure Web on the socials. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Mike Devitt and, to, and we're talking tonight about these key steps to success to redesign a website before it goes live because otherwise the whole thing can turn into a horror film. Well at Web Design Pro, we ensure your journey is not a Texas chainsaw massacre leading to customers wanting to get out of your website as soon as they arrive. We exorcise all your fears through exercising repeatable steps to produce an amazing result. Catch us at webdesignpro.co on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Oh my gosh, <laughs> love it. I always have to go, I have to follow Mike Devitt and <laughs> my intro's nowhere near that clever. Um, hey everyone, Tim Streifler here. I'm broadcasting from San Clemente, California. And you can find me online at divilife.com where I have all of my Divi plugins, layouts, child themes, and tutorials. And wpgears.com where I have the Divi Business Expert course with my pal David Blackman, uh, Divi Chat alumnus. Uh, yeah, super excited for this topic. Like we've all kind of been saying, this is uh, a really important topic. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to define that momentarily. Uh, as is my duty here on Divi Chat to be the definer. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Emma Kate. I'm a designer um, turned, a graphic designer turned web designer, and I help other designers master the wonderful world of WordPress. You can find me at emmakate.co to check out my courses and grab a bunch of freebies, and also designerboss.co, which is the home of my podcast and also my online summit that's coming up soon, which will have a familiar face from Divi Chat on there too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And oh. I'm excited about this topic today too because uh, coincidentally I only sent out in my newsletter yesterday, I think, yeah, yesterday about my starter site and how I set that up and everything. So I'm like, sweet, I have all these points I can say. Yeah, Emma messaged me <laughs> and I was like, hey, uh, we were talking about the topic and she said... Oh, I don't know. She doesn't like the real techie ones. She's still a designer at heart. And I said, what about your starter site? You just, I just read your email. <laughs> so before we dive into the details and how we each do it, I guess we do need to have 
our buddy Tim, break it down. Um, so Ellie asked about development servers and staging servers, and those can be used very differently, but the names could be a little bit ambiguous. Tim, do you want to break down what we are going to use those words to mean during this episode, at least? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when you're de designing a brand new website on a brand new domain for a company that is brand new, you don't really need a development or staging site. You can really just build it on the domain, maybe put a coming soon page if you really want to, but no one knows it exists yet. So it doesn't really matter. However, when you are building a new website for an existing company that has an existing online presence, well, you can't just start building on their domain because the chances are they have at least some level of traffic coming to the site, uh, whether that's through social media or paid advertising or just a uh, established brand in their community. And so um, the correct way is to build a site on either a development server or a, a staging server. And so um, as Stephanie mentioned, they're different, but then also can sometimes be used interchangeably. And so the way I kind of define it is a development server is typically like it's your own server as the, the web developer that, that you use to build websites on. And it's typically, it doesn't belong to the client. You're not it's not their their server. You're, it's your own environment that you use to build sites, and then you migrate it when the website goes live. And then a staging site is typically uh, it's connected to the the client's uh, hosting company. So a lot of hosting companies have staging environments, one click staging, where you basically you copy your site from the live environment down to the staging environment, and it's meant to be a uh, basically mirror the live site in terms of the, the specs and everything for the hosting so that you can test things and make sure everything's working correctly. Um, with the caveat that a lot of staging environments don't have caching enabled, which can sometimes defeat the purpose because you're like testing things and it works and then you take it to the live site, which has caching and then it, all of a sudden something breaks. Um, but yeah, that's a, a, a different story. Um, so that's kind of the difference between a development server and a staging server. And in terms of launching sites, uh, there's a lot of different methods and we're gonna have different perspectives here from, from the panelists. Um, and it's one of those things pretty much with a lot of things when it comes to building websites, there's not a wrong way, or I guess a better way of putting it, there's not one right way. There might be some wrong ways to do it. Um, but there's not just one right way. And so uh, all of us up here have different workflows. And so it's about figuring out the workflow that works best for you, for the hosting that you use, and, and just what makes sense for, for you and kind of the way that you like to work. And so hopefully we'll be able to share some ideas that you can implement in your own business. And as Eric mentioned, uh, a previous episode when we talked about this a few years ago is how he understood this process and everything. So it's really cool to hear that now he's sitting up here in the panelist um after after that so yeah it comes i was full thinking circle. as um eric said that and then someone in the chat also said that they've been binge listening in the car and um <laughs> i was thinking oh like i change how i do things so much over time and we've been doing this for so long now i just think imagine if we heard ourselves back from like multiple years ago i bet you i would be horrified by some of the advice <laughs> that maybe, would, maybe we should retire some episodes i don't know <laughs> put a disclaimer on it <laughs> yeah, so if you are binge listening, like go for it, but also recognize that sometimes we evolve and change and our opinions and processes might have evolved also. Like Don't for old episodes. technology is changing. Yeah. Like there's so many yeah. new you know, yeah. ways to manage WordPress sites and new WordPress hosting and stuff like that. And so some of it might be that now there's better, newer, better tools yeah. that are available to us that weren't when we recorded a previous episode. Yeah. It's You got to check the date. It's like a block of cheese. You don't. Blue cheese, especially. Like, how do you know when blue cheese goes bad? It has mold yeah. in it. So it's just, it's, it's bad from day one. You don't know. Exactly. exactly. I'm with you, Tim. It's yeah. always bad. <laughs> okay. So if you guys have, so basically a development server is where you develop a website, right? And then a staging server, if you can think of, uh, like, if you're, if you're moving and you and you move out and there's no furniture in there, a staging company will come in and they'll set it up how somebody might set it up. They will stage it so that it sort of looks and feels like it's going to feel. And basically, this is where you test things. So that's sort of the concept. That's how I would break it down. I know Tim did it very I think definitely detailed. can develop on a staging site, though. Like, I think we need to be clear that 
if someone has a live site, like sometimes the very best thing to do is develop it on their staging environment because say for example your hosting like I have my own hosting that I love doing my development on it would be my preference to always develop on my development server because it's on my own server I know how everything works it's all great if someone is going to be hosting with me I will 100% do it on my development server but if someone comes to me and they have their own hosting it's on some other hosting company that I don't always feel super comfortable with or it's just really different to mine for some reason or maybe it's just going to be more complex the process of transferring it later it might be just better to build on their staging server um, rather than doing it on your own and then having to go through the effort to migrate it from like if I'm on Plesk and they're on cPanel for example, sometimes things don't always migrate as well when you're going between multiple platforms. So while we're saying there's those two different things, sometimes a staging server is the development server for that client because right. it's a smarter option. So you can kind of, it's, there's a little bit of a, that's why I say there's a little ambiguity with those, with those words. Another thing that might differentiate a staging server is if it's set up specifically for the purpose of staging, then a lot of times there could be both push and pull changes and sometimes you can and by that i mean if you've if there are things on the live site that need oh shoot which is which now <laughs> push to the staging push to or live pulled back like oh push to live yeah so you push from the staging server to the live site once you've done changes but say you've got uh, an e-commerce site or something and people are making purchases before you can continue making changes you want to pull all that data so you can mess with it. So there's a little bit more back and forth on something that we would refer to as a staging server, as a, which would be sort of another slight little differentiation. So, um, and we are going to talk about moving from a development server, which is a little bit of a different process, right? But we're going to not get into too, too many details about the actual migration because we just covered that a few weeks ago. This topic really builds on a lot of our sort of recent or not too, too distant past episodes when we're talking, because we've been talking, we've been hitting a lot of technical stuff this year. So uh, a few weeks ago, it was just last month, episode 214, 214 was how to migrate a website. And if you are going to build a website on a separate server that is one that you control that isn't the clients, you are going to have to migrate it over once it's done. So that you can go back to that episode and hear lots of different methods for that, but um, how about so you? I, been quiet. I, yeah, go, Eric. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in real quick. I remember when I was starting out too, though, I would hear this a topic like this and hear this thing, the word server, and mm -hmm. had this idea that like that sounded overwhelming. Um, and, and really, we're talking right. about a hosting account somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, now you may get to the point where you actually have your own dedicated server or something like that. But if you're just starting out, we're talking about your hosting account, you know? So for like, for us, we have intransitstudios.com is our client facing URL, um, but we also have the URL intransitstudios.agency. Um, and if you go to intransitstudios.agency, you're gonna see a blank Divi install. That is our starting child theme on there. It's got all of our basic plugins. It's just that, and Anytime we go to start a new project, we create a subdomain for that client name dot in transitstudios.agency. And that's where we build that site and then migrate it. And then once a site is live, if we were going to go in and do maintenance, that's where we would set up a staging site on their, you know, a subdomain of their URL. So don't freak out when you hear server, think you got to have this computer or have all this stuff. It's a it's a URL and a hosting account. So yeah, let's let's simplify point. and let's just let's just for now for right now let's just talk about where we're going to build a fresh site. Let's let's sort of eliminate that the staging element for the moment, and let's just talk about when you're going to develop a new site. Say the client has a site that already exists, so you can't just overwrite it or start breaking it apart. So what what's your what are your go-to first steps guys so i would say uh it would kind of depend on uh if i'm hosting it for the client so if i'm hosting it 
then I'm going to build it on the server or hosting account that their website will eventually be. Because then that allows me to build it on with the same specs, the same everything that their site will have. And then I can simply change their domain to point from their previous host to my new host. Um, and so then it's uh, you know a seamless transition. So I think that's a question that has to be asked first because if they want to keep the site over on, on their server, well, then you can build it on your own development server, but then you're going to have to migrate it and hope that everything still works. Because I can tell you as someone who has a company that creates plugins and child themes, hosting environments matter. And so what works in one hosting environment may not work in another hosting environment. And there's something called three-way conflicts where you have two tools that are playing well together and then you bring in a third one and now all of a sudden something breaks where it's like two and two are fine but when you bring in three it's like it breaks something and then the hosting environment can also play a role so anyways that's why i always recommend try to build it in the uh i guess permanent uh hosting or server that that it's going to be on um or you're gonna have to migrate and thoroughly test before going live yeah, yes. that's what I do too. Quick, like right before it. you dive in, Emma, I just want yeah. to share a comment that Christian just um, put. Christian Van Hoff says, rule one, not on a subdomain of the client's site. <laughs> Why? Because then the client has total control and you don't have any. So we yeah. don't want to do that. Okay, sorry. I just want to throw that in there. Emma, go. That's all good. That's actually, I was going to mention that too, is that, you know, if it's clients hosting and they control it, then tr like not putting it on their hosting initially, just doing what the other guys have said and like building it on your hosting account. Um, I'm similar to Eric having like a separate domain that's just for like has my starter site and everything on there. So I can just like create all like create a new, I usually use subdirectories same thing really and create um a new uh install for my client site there as I work on it and then migrate it over and um yeah that was just that was pretty much my point was don't put it on the client server if because they can control it it's just like giving away design fi files before they pay their final invoice or something um yeah, another point too was I I don't know how strict you guys are, but I actually have certain hosting companies that I just like pretty much refuse to work with. Like if I have Look a client come to me <laughs> and they want their website, they're like, oh, I'm with crazy domains and I don't want to move and stuff. I'm just like, I try to educate them and convince Is them. Is that a real to, hosting you know, company? Yeah, it's an Australian yeah, company, I think. <laughs> oh, it's similar to, you know, any other host gator, like all those sort of like not particularly good ones and I've had bad experiences with and um, I find you know similar to what Tim was saying it could all work fine in one environment and then you move it over and then it just all everything breaks and now it's your fault because you've built them a website and it's not working so I sort of have a stipulation with clients is like if they if I can't convince them to go with a hosting provider that I recommend it doesn't need to be like one I'm a reseller for it's just like one of the good ones really then it's like okay well I'll package up all the site and give it to you but you know that's kind of I like wipe my hands of that and you can like I can put you in touch with a more techie web dev to like figure all that all the stuff that breaks out later <laughs> I've actually won a few maintenance clients through that process so um where I've said to them, like, your hosting doesn't look really great, um, but whatever, that's your choice. Like, I'm not going to do maintenance if it's on that host. So if they say they don't want maintenance, that's fine. But then I've built the website, migrated it to their host, and it's been so slow, like ridiculously, horrifically slow. And anytime a site like that happens, this is probably further into our chat, but anytime a site like that I feel like, you know, that that's going to be the way it's going to go. I will keep the staging server on my server. Like, sorry, I, the dev server. I always call it a staging server. So this is going to be challenging. Um, I keep my staging server. So I do the same as Eric and Emma. I have a special domain. I do subdomains. Um, so I will keep it for maybe six months. Even though it is using up my own resources, I will do that because once I've transferred it over to their super slow crappy hosting and then they start complaining and saying, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous, I can say to them, well, I've still got the staging site here. You can check out just how fast it's running on my staging site 
and then you can check out how fast it's running on yours. It's all hosting. So if you want to keep hosting there, that's fine, but that's not my problem. And Mm. from that, I've won a few maintenance clients purely because they're like, well, this isn't working for me, so I need better hosting. And then I convince them to, and at the very least, they change to my host and then I get um, commissions from that, which is great. Like that's a side benefit, right? Um, But I just think it's a really good backfall. If you do feel like they've got really crappy hosting and you've decided to do it anyway, keep that staging site or the dev site there for a while just so that they can literally proof them side by side because you can even say like this is a dev site it's not even as fast as a real site like you could even not have caching on it and show them this is without caching Um, (laughs) so yeah that's my advice on that one if you do want to go for it like like emma i i won't i won't um maintain websites that are on other crazy yeah no hosting But if someone wants it built on that and they are dead set about it, like, you know, you definitely can work with it and you can migrate to it, but I would keep something so that if they complain afterwards, you can say, well, it's not me. Yeah, I found from my experience that obviously every client's different and there's some that are very unreasonable, but if you educate them and tell them why and it kind of explained to them like hosting is not their expertise they probably just saw something and said hey this looks good and has good reviews okay and then they sign up for it but if you tell them why and then show them the difference like chances are they're going to be like oh yeah like i just didn't know but yeah i trust you let's let's especially if you tell them before you develop it and then you develop it and if you move it and then they're like oh you were right (laughs) it is really bad on this host (laughs) one of the tricks is if they've got like some people i've had clients where they went into godaddy bought like a five-year hosting yeah and they they feel like they're losing money and then they then so because it just has to go down the toilet and then you there's been times a lot more but there's been times I've bought that out for people to get them to switch over. Uh, That's a smart idea. Because it really isn't that much in the in the lifetime value of the, the client. So I'll just tell them, hey, I'll take care of that. Um, so because it's just it's just worth it. Because I mean, we don't. Interesting. We do probably four or five sites a month. And I can only think of two sites in the last year that we even built that wasn't going to be on our maintenance and hosting. And at that point, we just have a, a sub agreement that we send to them that says, we're not responsible for the, you know, the, the, the optim, the sites, the site speed. Good night and good luck. Yeah. Godspeed. <laughs> like, this is what it is. And, uh, but I'd really push to get them on our maintenance and hosting. That's where I want them to land. For sure. That's great. Smart. So I'm like you guys. I, I mean, most of the uh, websites that we prepare for, for our clients are done on subdomains of our own domain. Um, uh, but one of the things I've been doing recently is using local by flywheel. A uh, few things to think about if you're going to use um, local by flywheel. Um, one, uh, if you start developing quite a few sites on it, because it's very easy to spin up a site on it. Um, it can eat up your disk space um, without you kind of realizing it. Um, and you have to still think about backing up. So if you're still, you know, when you put it on your um, your main server, on your main subdomain, um, again, thinking about that backup, you know, you start plowing into doing the install, thinking about the backup, but you still need to think about doing that with local by Flowerwheel. Although recently on their free plans, they've introduced free cloud backups. So um, what you can now do is you can go into um, into uh, the cloud backups. It's an add-on extension on local by Flywheel. Open up your website, click on tools, cloud backups, and then you can connect your Google or Dropbox account and begin synchronizing. What it'll also give you is it will give you a live URL to send to your clients as well. So you're actually developing this whole thing locally and you can give your clients a live URL. There's one thing you have to think about, though, and that is if you allow your PC or Mac to go to sleep, um, it will drop that uh, URL um, from, from them being able to see. So, no yeah, so just uh, just a few things to think about. So you can never go to sleep. sleep. You turn your so computer I, into an actual dev server. That's it. That's yeah. it. 
So um, it's quite it's it, it's great for spinning up um, sites where you maybe need to do some research or some development where you perhaps don't want to use your your own server. Um, and it's very, very quick. I, I'm really impressed with it, and I'm really impressed with their upgrades that they've done Love recently. It. So so give it a go. Try it out. Yeah, I have a, a how to set up Flywheel Local guide that I'll post a link to. But you bring up a great point, Mike, in terms of uh, backups. Um, no matter where you're building the site, make sure that there's backups in place. I love using flywheel hosting and WP engine hosting because it's just turned on automatically. You don't have to think about it. You have automatic backups. Um, yep. However, staging sites typically are not backed up, right? And so you can't rely on that. And so actually Christian brought up a great point in the chat that staging that depends is, on your hosting that one. Yeah, that depends on your hosting. That's true. Um, Christian brought up that staging is typically meant to be temporary and so some hosting companies, staging sites get wiped out after 30 days. I haven't personally experienced that with hosting companies that I use, but I know that that does happen. And so that's why staging um, is typically better for like te temporary tests and updates and maintenance and stuff like that, as Eric mentioned. Um, but for building an entire site, having a development environment or you know a subdomain or whatever is, is probably a better bet and then making sure you have backups in place as well. Now, just for fun, nobody mm -hmm. here say it, but what do, because I this was like, I never learned this in school, but there's the de development server and the staging server. And then what do we call the live site? Who wants a cookie? Whoever gets it first gets a cookie. Production. <laughs> Production. I just, I literally <laughs> just said, none of you guys say it. Oh. I heard cookie, <laughs> so I went for it. <laughs> He was like production. Yeah, it's called a production. All right, forget it. Nobody gets a cookie. It's called a production. I missed the part where you said no one here say it. All I heard was what's what is it? And whoever gets it first gets a cookie. I'm suing. I'm suing for a cookie. Do you guys call it you guys refer to it as the prod or the production server? I've never used that in my sleep. Yeah. To me, live yeah. site just makes live. way more sense. It's more production natural. seems mm -hmm. like something that is being produced still. Like it's the production of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It never yeah. like made logical oh, sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Do you call Are it you that? Eric? No, yeah. live. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That, I may use prod. I may use prod right. from now on, but <laughs> it's the live site. The live server. <laughs> the live site. <laughs> Yeah, just going thing. back to that uh, local by flywheel, I'll have to watch your, um, I had, I think I'd flagged your tutorial on it, Tim, because I'm like, I did it for a client's website, like a new one, and it worked great. Uh, but then I've been trying to use it for mine to like pull mine, my, like emmacate.co site down, make some edits and see if it works and then push it back up. But when I pull it down, like so much of the CSS gets lost and I've like spoken to support and trying to figure it out. And it's just like so frustrating. So I'll have to watch your tutorial to see if I'm setting it up right or something. Or maybe do you guys find like is the paid version probably a better option? Like maybe it's going to handle my big site better. <clears throat> Yeah. I've never used the paid version, even though I'm a flywheel customer, I don't have like the pro premium version of, of local. However, mm -hmm. recently within the last couple months, they announced that all the pro features are now included for free. So now I don't think there is separate plans. I think everything is now uh, free for all. Okay. The free for okay. all you guys. I think what you're trying, <laughs> I, I suppose it's what you're trying to do, isn't it? I think um, for, the satisfaction for me is being in just doing something that's local that I can then share as opposed to pulling something down. So yeah, there may be some, there may be some documentation on that or, or someone that knows a little local, bit more about it. Local doesn't mm. work for me because I have a team. Right. I mean, like I yeah. can't, yeah. That's yeah just, it doesn't work for me either. I don't, yeah. I typically mm. use it for testing. Mm. Uh, so as, Mike mentioned spinning up sites super quickly and being able to test something in seconds, right? Because you can you can have a template. Uh, I forget what they call it, um, but you can yeah have your oh blueprint. They call it blueprints. You can have That's your right. blueprint site, yeah. which is 
yeah, Divi's installed, configured, all of your your base plugins, whatever. And you can have different versions of blueprints, and then within yeah minutes or less, you can be testing whatever it is you're trying to test. So I did that with the Divi four point ten update. Dorke Saparo. Man, I just butcher people's names. I'm so sorry. I feel like I can say them in my head, and then as soon as it starts to come out, it just <laughs> crumbles. Uh, Dorke has a perfect use case for local. She's a nomad, so when she's on the road, she doesn't need internet access. She can design locally. I mean, I think that's that's awesome. That's really great because then you if you lose no productivity time, and you don't lose your yeah content yeah. either. Mm. But yeah. as Mike mentioned, you want it backed up because if you drop your your laptop in a river, mm -hmm. then, yeah, like it's not saved in the cloud unless you're you're, yeah. you're pushing. So. Yeah, and I think that was the good mm -hmm. thing about um, them al allowing a lot of the pro stuff to be um, used with the free plan, so that you can just do something. So you can just just you know do your work and uh, save it and have it saved before you disappear off somewhere and then it's a risk you've you've then got a local if you want to take a backup of your local files you can do that if you just take a hard drive with you or something um yeah hard drives are really small now i just have yeah. like a little one that like because i'm just at home and everything's actually backed up on the cloud for me anyway which obviously if you're on the road that's different but i just plug in my actual physical backup hard drive like once a week and you, like if you were on the road, you just plug it in while you're working and then it's keeping yeah. a live backup constantly. Um, I think that would be the way to go if you weren't on the grid. But um, yeah, so with Local by Flywheel, so say you develop a site and then you want to make it live afterwards, do they make that process really easy where you can then just push it over to a live server? Because I think that's well, part of the question. Yeah, what I tend to do with it is I just use WP All-in-One Migration and... and um, literally create the the, the file okay. download so it's the like file a normal then... migration at that yeah. point yeah yeah okay yeah. so there's no like special feature that's like uh, i don't know if there is I, ha I haven't <laughs> tried it um but yeah. for me i just it, it's a little bit like um any sort of process that you have running i give exactly the same even with the site that's on um one of my subdomains it still goes through the same process to, to make yeah. it go live it's just it's tried and trusted, isn't it? Is what you, uh, it's the tools you use. Like Tim was saying, years ago I used uh, Duplicator to do it, um, and uh, I just found WP All-in-One Migration so much of a easier tool to use, and it was um, so reliable as well. So once you once you've done that, you you go okay, that's that's going to be my new process, much easier. Yeah, nice. So mm -hmm. so the so benefit the if you do happen to oh sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the benefit if you do um, if you do get to the point where you have a server where you've got multiple websites, like I don't know how you guys have all of your stuff set up, but for all my clients, for example, I have a, um, oh, my God, what's the word, um, a virtual private server. Yep. So I have a virtual private server. All my clients are on that server. And then, of course, my dev domain is also on that server um with plesk it's really easy because they have a clone feature and so you just like clone the website to a new location so i have like my main one which i'll then clone to a subdomain build the website and then it's sitting on the subdomain and then i just um create the domain name um or if i've already moved their website or whatever um then i can just clone it on top of the actual domain name so it's just like literally a one-click process of clone over the top of other things and then of course you're changing your settings like you have your re do not read while you're building the website for example um, but it's just literally a clone thing so when you are looking at hosting for yourself if you're looking at hosting in terms of you're going to host lots of people on a virtual private server, just make sure they have a feature like that because if you've got a clone feature, it makes it so much easier. You're not having to, like obviously you need to use a tool like Mike's talking about if you're moving from one server to a different server. You have no choice but to actually move it with a tool or manually or whatever, go back and watch our migration um, video, but you are actually going to have to move it from one server to another. So that's where this server stuff is really important. But if you have a dedicated server or a virtual private server, then 
make sure that that host has that feature of cloning and then it's literally just being able to clone across. Um, Tim's with WP Engine and they have a feature which is slightly different where you don't even need to clone it to the new environment. You just kind of tell the domain name to look at the server and it figures out which one it is. Like it's a very smart, it's a different system where you're not actually having to kind of internally move it whereas my one you have to internally move it but they just give you a one-click button to internally move it so um just if you're thinking about like maybe because i know a lot of people just use um um website hosting where each client has their own hosting and that's totally fine you can do it that way if you want to there's no problems with doing it that way but you are going to have to actually if you develop on a developing server or a developing domain you're going to then have to move it um, so that's just one thing to keep in mind at, when you're making your choices, either for hosting or um, the process you're going to go through. Yeah, um, just one other tip on the back, on the back of all of this, um, and that is if this is something that you're new to and you've not done this before, get FTP access to the hosting company. Yes. It's amazing how many people forget it and how it straps you if you haven't got it um, because the minute you have a problem. So... I'm sort of eulogizing about this tool, your WP All-in-One in migration, because one of the great things about that is that you can just install a, a fresh copy of a WordPress website onto um, a client's domain, um, add the plugin, and then import the file. You're done. Well, you're not using FTP for that at that point, but you may need it because there might be something that could go wrong, and then you need to get into the back end. So if you've not done it before, make sure you've got it. It's a very good tip. Other, just just the for the fun of it, you guys, know. what's the name of your development servers? Put it in the Why? thing. Does anybody have a clever one? No. Mine's well, dual <laughs> agency. That's all. I just did a different TDO. Yeah. We have Brewing Sweet Tea is ours. That's where we do oh, all Oh, that's, that's good. Oh, that's good. That's I like it. Yeah. 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 Anybody in the chat? No, but literally nobody has any creative. Dev servers? No. Mine's like staging-ola.com. Like it's nothing exciting. You're just giving us all staging site shame now, Steph. Your I know. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to have to work on it. Up your game, guys. And if it doesn't go live Iron sharpens for a while, iron, you know? If it doesn't go live for a so while, you I wanna, Sweet tea. I want to bring up something about when you're develop, developing websites, which I don't think a lot of people always do, which is you need to have your... Um, your security stuff working. Like we've talked about backups, so you need to have backups going. But I think a lot of people when they're developing a site think it's not really a risk um, and so you don't need to have WordFence installed or configured or um, all of those good things. Um, another thing that people often don't do is have Yoast installed or whatever SEO plugin. Like they might have it installed but they don't have it activated when they're developing. My recommendation would be to activate the things you're actually going to use for the same reason that Tim was talking about before, because sometimes Yoast conflicts with stuff. And so you want to actually have it kind of running so that you know whether it's going to cause problems with other plugins that you're using. But I, I just want to say about like, turn that reading, reading setting on when you're developing. So the one that says, please do not come and look at my website. Of course, they can still come and look at your website if they want to. But you're saying, please don't put this on Google. But the internet can still find your website. So make sure that you still have WordFence or whichever security plugin you want to have on there and have your two-factor authentication set up. And I think a, a pitfall that a lot of people can fall into is they have their main um, site that they're cloning from and then they clone it and they don't change their password. So I, I know these are like little silly things, but if you have a main website and you're the developer and then you transfer it to a new one, it will keep the two-factor that you've already got set up for the main one and it will keep the password that you've got set up for the main one. So you could end up with 50 websites with the same two-factor and the same password, which is just the worst practice. So I know it's like one of those things that's really easy to slip your mind and I've definitely done it before where I just haven't even thought about it and then later down the track I realise it's still the original password that is on my main one. So just like putting some of these things into practice, you do have to treat it like a live site. You can't just pretend it's not on the internet and the bad guys can't find it. Um, so just get it set up right from the beginning. 
And there was one other thing I was thinking of, which is the existing website, because we, just, we were talking very much tonight about the fact that we've got an existing site in place. This is a, a, a redesign or just a, a change of, of, of the site completely. Um, you're going to take a backup of that site. Um, but one of the things that you want to do is you ideally, if you can, get onto that site. If hopefully it's a WordPress site. If it's not, then you need to think of uh, another way to back it up. But what you could find is that um, that that site, somebody will say to you, oh, yeah, the site's backed up. We back it up all the time. Make sure that you've had a look at that backup because it could be that they're backing up that site within the site. And then when you come along and delete the whole thing, you've also deleted the backup of their site. So mm -hmm. on that hosting platform, it's really easily done. And um, so when somebody says, yeah, we've put, say, Updraft Plus on there, you know, the, the designer did that before, and you mm -hmm. go in, you can see the size of the site. That's usually an indication. And you think, this is a small site. Why is it over a two gig? <laughs> and you realize that there's all these backups that are sitting there uh, behind it all. Really easy one to, to miss. So I have a question. I definitely made that. Okay. <laughs> so I have a question. So from a little bit different angle then, if you are developing a brand new site uh, for a brand new URL, yay, exciting. Um, somebody's starting up there. <laughs> um, do you, but they want to like, you know, so do you use a, a plugin to do coming soon and then, develop behind that? Do you just put up a one page landing coming soon and still, you know, develop on your, on your dev process, whether it's local or using a subdomain? Uh, what process do you use? Whose hosting account is it? <laughs> we'll see if it's uh, a new website that I'm going to be, if I have access to the hosting and the client doesn't have access to the hosting yet, like Steph sort of said, like I wouldn't want to build the whole website on something that they can just take it and run and not pay me. So as long as I kind of have control over it, then I'll build it on the live um, domain. And I use a plugin called Seedprog coming soon page and maintenance mode. And I'll put that up, which will hide the whole website that's in development behind this pretty coming soon page that I'll put together. And one thing that I noticed there and what I love about it is that I'll put that up like kind of right away. It's one of my first things and I'll put some SEO keywords in there and I'll set up all like the meta and the title tag and all that kind of stuff. And then Google can start indexing it and seeing that site and seeing just that front page. So when I launch the site like a month or two later, it's already showing on Google and it's already showing some like important information. So I just make sure that I don't put anything like coming website coming soon in the first like however many characters so that that doesn't come up on Google because we don't really want that to be shown. But I'll put like the keywords and stuff and then I'll just hide it, yeah, and build out the website behind all that. And one great thing about I have the paid version of the plugin because you can just um, create like a preview URL. So you rather than having to give the client a login to view the site, you can just send them the domain.com forward slash preview or something. And then they can bypass that coming soon page and view the whole site and like, you know, give you feedback and all stuff like that. So that's like my ideal. Like if I can do that, it makes it so easy because to launch the site, all you have to do is deactivate the coming soon and boom, it's there. You don't have to migrate, test on a new server, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's the ideal. Otherwise it's using a, um, a staging uh so oh, what are we what are we calling yeah. it? A dev server. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do Listen, we just had to the pick same, one. <laughs> I do the same as Emma, only I use shameless self-promotion, my own plugin, yeah. but it's 100 percent free called Divi Coming Soon. And it, it basically allows you to easily put up a coming soon page and it'll redirect all traffic. Um, and it's super lightweight. Uh, it's, you basically just create a page and then tell the plugin what page you want to redirect traffic to. Um, but the nice thing about that on, on, in addition to what Emma was saying is it, it's funny cause clients get excited about that. Like I've put up really yeah. quick coming soon pages like mm -hmm. that and clients are like, Ooh, fancy. Like it looks so cool. Yeah. It's like the smallest. Yeah. It's like the smallest thing, but they, it feels like so like official and it gets them excited yeah. about their website because even though the purpose is that it's coming soon to any web visitors, it's also like 
a coming soon for them too. So it's like, yeah. it gives them kind of that satisfaction of like, ooh, the project is beginning type of Do thing. Do you put the little mm -hmm. stick figure with the hard hat and the cones <laughs> and stuff? <laughs> I personally don't, but you're welcome. To. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Um, you. I really like your Divi coming soon plugin. Um, the only reason I don't use it is because I love that preview URL. Do yeah. you have like a... Do you have like what do you have the, a sneaky way that you can give clients access without letting them log in or no, but that is on what the What was the name of that plugin, Emma? Okay. They're asking in the Yeah, we're gonna add it's that seed, free feature. seed prod coming soon page and maintenance you know, mode or something. It's yeah, like massively I've used, long. The, I've used the same one in the yeah, rolls right off the yeah. tongue. I've seen that yeah. before and <laughs> I not until today, since we just talked about it, have I realized that it's seed prod because it's the prod hmm. site. But it's a seed. I used a really long time ago. Oh, I never got that. I, I it didn't used to have that feature. So I used it a really long time ago, and um, yeah, it was still really good. Um, it just didn't have as much flexibility. So I ended up using Tim's mm -hmm. one. I think I've used another Divi one at some point. I think um, the guys at Superfly had one at some point. Um, and like they're all good. It honestly doesn't matter mm -hmm. what you pick. I think that idea of having a preview is really good. If you use one like Tim's, you just make a subscriber. They don't need any ability to do anything in the background. They just need the ability to be logged in to be able mm. to bypass the like um, the coming soon page. So right. you don't need to make them like an administrator or anything. It doesn't, and you can give them a really crap password because they're not doing anything in the website. They're just looking at the website. So it it can even mm. be something super generic just really temporary and then later you can give them their really good password etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm -hmm. uh guys yeah. we're we're coming up to the top of the hour pretty soon i just wanted to give a quick shout out to our pals miro and carlos in the live chat and to say thanks to everybody who showed up live we've got a nice crowd tonight thanks for hitting the like button and don't forget to subscribe um and please do leave us a review if you guys have a chance, if you find this information useful, if it helps you, if you like hanging out with us once in a while or once a week, uh, please leave us a review. You can go to ratethispodcast.com slash Divi chat. And we haven't done it in a while, but I thought maybe I would read just a review or two before we wrap up while, while the panel sort of maybe thinks about some final thoughts and things. Uh, we have a uh, Kate Overton says, I'm that annoying client. Yep, that's me. The one that listens to these podcasts, runs the report, and then gets fixated on the little things that are affecting our performance. But after listening to Divi Chat for the last year or so, I promise I'm less annoying for my deaf. I can carry out changes, <laughs> troubleshoot my issues, and don't fixate on the little things anymore. Some of the content still soars over my head, but most of it is completely digestible, entertaining, and helpful. Keep up the awesome work. You heard it here, folks. We make people less annoying. <laughs> like, what a compliment. Thank you for leaving that. If you guys have anything to share about your experience, it, it really it gets us so excited. We love it. And it fuels us. It gets us pumped up to keep coming up with more ideas. And um, I posted on the social channels today that, that this was a viewer requested topic. And we immediately, yeah. because I put the link to it, we immediately got uh, another request for uh, two different Yay! topics. So please do that. Uh, you go to divi.chat, our website, and it's at the bottom of the, in the footer, there's a link right to the form to submit. Um, and if you, I was thinking about it too, like if you're feeling insecure, like if you feel like it's a dumb question, for starters, it probably isn't. Like no. you're I, you're a beautiful snowflake, I'm sure, but you're not the only one that has thought of this or had this struggle. We all have. So if you don't want your name called out on the show, that's okay. You can submit a question and say, like, just don't mention my name or just message any one of us uh, privately if you happen to know us or in our groups or anything like that. Um, oh, Robin just said Otherwise, you, you just get us them. saying the things that we want to talk about and, right. you know. Sometimes we run out of ideas. So give us some awesome <laughs> I know, ideas. We, we do. It's true. Oh, Ellie. Ellie showed up. This was her topic. She says, thank you guys so much. This really cleared <laughs> up a lot of the confusion I had about staging subdomains. That was the piece of the puzzle I was missing. Oh, man, we barely even touched on it. So, okay, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> okay, so maybe maybe as a wrap up, we've got about, uh, we've got about 
seven, eight minutes left. So maybe instead of like some final thoughts, what if we just go step by step how we do this? Okay. So you get a new project and let's say you're, you're not going to put it on the client's site. Okay. For, for whatever reason, whether they have a live site or whether it's their host, whatever the reason is, you're going to keep everything in control because no matter what, you could always do that. So for me, step one would be to create a subdomain. And how do we, how do you guys go about creating a subdomain since LH are we all going to say what our step one is? Cause we might have different variations. Should we yeah, just wrap sure. it? I'm just starting it. Yeah. Let's just kick it <laughs> off. <laughs> I didn't I'm just plan saying, this. Cause I could I'm probably talk for another me. 10 minutes just on my own. So we'll need to like <laughs> rapid fire. <laughs> let's rapid fire it. Let's not break it down too hard. But so you yeah. go, like I would have to go into my hosting account to uh, set up a subdomain and, and then install WordPress. That would be my, like one of my first steps. Anybody so else Plesk, you don't even have to do that. So yeah. if you've got your like Endure Dev or whatever it is, you click Ruins clone and then it says, where do you want to put it? And you make up your new subdomain and you click clone and it creates the subdomain for you. You don't even have to like create a subdomain. It just does it all, clones it all there. And it's exactly the same as the other one. Ready to go. Bam. Love it. <laughs> now, yep. uh, here. I know Emma one. uses... Emma uses Manage WP like I do, and you have your little uh, starter site that you call it, and I have one of those mm -hmm. too. So I think most of us use that method. So mm -hmm. for me, Emma, you maybe are the same. Then when I install a site, first of all, I mark down in a secure spot all of the info, right? Like the database names that I use, the passwords, the all, whatever, all the login that I chose, and then I log into that site depending on your host some hosts you can just install plugins automatically i've had some that do that i just put manage wp on i go add it to manage wp and i dump over my starter site mm -hmm. is that yeah. similar to yours emma yeah it's similar like um one of the easiest things like like what sarah said like when i used to when siteground used to be on cpanel they had a clone thing too so similar you could just click clone and put it in a subdirectory. And so essentially on my dev server, I have what I call my starter site, which is my basic WordPress installation with, you know, Divi, my Divi child theme, my um, all my plugins configured, some basic settings configured, all that stuff. And then I'm literally just cloning, boom, it's there and I'm good to go. Um, I don't think SiteGround does that anymore with their site tools. I'll have to have a look. Um, but... Uh, what I in that case I just use manage WP and just clone my starter site that way and right. put it in the subdirectory. Yeah. Now I caught something else you just said there. Most of us I think use a subdomain, but you put yours in a subfolder, yeah. which it's is just, different. Yes, yeah, subfolder. Would anybody it's like just... to clarify the difference between those? Yeah. So a subdomain is, according to Google a completely separate website. And so Google looks at yourdomain.com as a website, and then it looks at, uh, you know, client1.yourdomain.com as a completely separate website. When it's a subfolder, it's technically, Google looks at that as being under the yourdomain.com slash client1. It's still part of yourdomain.com. And so that's from a, a search pr uh, perspective. From like a, a server perspective, you can install WordPress in subfolders. Some some hosts don't allow it. They don't allow you to, to do that. Um, but you can basically have like yourdomain.com slash client one, you know, and then client two, three, four. And then you could do subfolders within subfolders. So like there's not really any limits because a server is basically a file system and you can put WordPress in different subfolders within the file system. The other Got thing it. I um I found someone had done once. I was snooping on someone's like site. Ooh. <laughs> this was like when I was starting and it was one of the people I looked up to. Anyway, I was like looking at their I realized if you looked at kind of the main directory, it showed me all their subdirectories. And so then I was able to go and look at all their staging sites um that they were developing and i really enjoyed that process and it made me thoroughly scared to never do that and so that was what yeah. put me off doing well, it was i was able to look at all of her stuff because of that um and obviously if it was live on the website like 
it probably doesn't matter in staging as much it, um, which way you go. But that was that one is, of the things that made me really scared to never do it. That's probably yeah. because of cheap hosting because it's basically a hosting configuration. I think they call it like directory browsing or something. Like you shouldn't yeah, right. be able to do that if the, the server no. <laughs> doesn't allow it. So I, that used to be a weak point for a lot of hosting companies. Yeah. And I've yeah. noticed that more recently that's fixed. And so they don't allow directory browsing like that. And you it'll basically just show a 404 on your, your web yeah, website. Right. So the one be. thing, if you're going to do subdomains, like there's a couple things that are additional steps. And so it may be that you don't want the additional steps, but if you do want to do subdomains, the additional steps are you actually have to create the subdomain if your hosting doesn't already create it for you. You need to make sure the DNS is active for that subdomain. So for example, if um, the reason we all do it with our own um URL is because we have control of the DNS really simply. But if you're working with a client, for example, and you want to put it on a subdomain of their website, like new or coming soon or whatever, then you need to be able to actually point that DNS. So it's just one extra step that you need to be able to do. And then the final thing that you need to do is also add an SSL certificate. So if you don't have a wildcard SSL certificate set up for your main domain, which I don't, and the reason I don't is because it doesn't renew as well. I don't know why. But Positive. anyway, so I just have a main one, which means when I create my new one, I have to then create, just with Let's Encrypt, an SSL certificate for that subdomain because it's not covered with the main one. Um, so that's one extra step that you do need to set up when you're setting up that and you should have an Excellent SSL point. certificate, even on a saving <laughs> site, still do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You cut out there at the end, Sarah, but I think we got the gist oh, sorry. there. I uh, heard so, so really quick, yeah. my process. So I, when I'm hosting with WP engine, so I do WP engine flywheel are my go-tos and then SiteGround, but, um, I duplicate my, my template site and my starter site, whatever you want to call it. And then both WP engine and flywheel use temp domains. And so I actually like that because I don't have to go through the process of creating a, a subdomain. It's just, it's, you know, client.wpengine.com or whatever. So they basically do the subdomain on their own domain. I'm okay giving them that extra little promotion while the site's in development. I don't have a problem <laughs> with that. Um, but yeah, it's super easy. So as you can see, every host is a little bit different, but generally duplicating your starter site onto some sort of a temp domain, whether it's a subdomain of your own or uh, hosting temp domain. That's pretty much the gist of it, right? So yeah. are we going to go through each step? I know we're no, we don't have time, but I wanted to, and there's so many variables, <laughs> but I wanted to just sort of make sure for those folks who are just starting out and who are just like being overwhelmed by the word server even, or things like that. Like you guys got this, you can do it. What yeah. you, you create whatever the URL is where you're going to put this and you have power to do that. Like Tim just said, whether it's a subdomain or it's in a folder on your site, there's lots of ways. And if you don't know how to do it, you can Google it. You can do a support chat with your host. All of those, there's lots of ways you can figure that part out. Then whichever you use to clone a site, whether that's something that your host has or whatever. Um, if you don't have a starter site, then the next site that you build becomes your starter site. So you build a site and then you clone it someplace else and you strip out the client's information and you start there. And as many times as you need to modify it to get it to a good place, then you just keep doing that until you have that set so that you can just crank it out. And don't forget to keep it up to date because that's yes. still a live site. It still has vulnerabilities potentially and you don't want to put any old junk onto a brand new site. So, but then, so then you've got your starter site there, you build the site, then you go back to uh, episode 214 and you learn how to migrate it. You push it to their <laughs> live site and it's done. Boom. What did, why did this even take us an hour? It's so simple. You guys got this, right? <laughs> I do it All differently. Right. Let me, let me explain. I'm just kidding. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> really? I thought you were dead serious. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so comp makes it so complicated no it is tricky it's technical but once you guys figure it out it's no big deal you just got a process and you just follow the steps i do one more all tip. right mm -hmm. yeah go mike okay so you've you've added your site your site's there you install your backup plugin you you make sure your backup has run you check the log to make sure it's run 
then delete it, delete the whole thing. Then go back to your backup plugin uh, uh, and uh, reinstall, restore the site. So what you're doing is that you're testing the restore, you're testing, and there's a lot of people that do backups that never ever test restores. Yeah. So it's, so it's if do. you've not done it before, um, just go through it a few times, get used to yeah. it because there will come a time when you have got to restore that site and you need to understand <laughs> how to do it full, incremental, any any way that you have, you have chosen to back up that site. It's so important. And one day you'll just be thankful that you did. Yeah. And if yeah. you're, um, if you're doing way. a migration, <laughs> if you've never done a migration before, migrate it somewhere else. Like yeah. before you migrate it to the client's live site, create yourself a subdomain and migrate it manually yeah. or whatever process you're planning on using actually go through that process because it's scary as hell while you're watching like the, is it gonna go through yes. <laughs> you don't want to do that on some client's live site for the first time <laughs> right mm -hmm. great tips you guys oh man we went one minute over it's the eight what? after ending <laughs> <laughs> I tried so hard, but it was good. This was, there's so much to talk about here. It's such a fun one. Thanks Ellie for requesting it. Thanks to all of you guys who have submitted reviews in the past and hopefully we'll submit uh, some requests for topics coming up. We love it. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.